0: Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too – There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Perception, reality and the blurring of the lines. This one is not what you may think. Behind a professional mask, a gentleman, a softie. A beauty. But who is Marco Mealy?
1: Yeah, it's a, a difficult one. Uh, I don't think I've ever been asked that. Probably a humble, you know, person with a competitive spirit and family man who's very loyal towards his friends. Were you a good kid
0: or were you a naughty kid? A wild one from the start,
1: maybe? Uh, yeah, always in trouble. I think I uh, had, had some flaws as a. As a young kid, I used to smash up dad's cars when I was about six, seven, and set my bedroom on fire, all that sort of stuff, you do know, in the country, but uh, little little things like that. But uh, I think when I went to school, I sort of mellowed out.
0: Four clubs in total in Australia anyway, the North Sydney Bears, the Northern Eagles, the Canterbury, Bankstown Bulldogs, and the Sydney Roosters. Looking back, which do you consider your club?
1: Look, it's so hard. Oh. Obviously, I spent a lot of time at the dogs and a lot yep. of success, but I built relationships at every club. And to me, I believe you know, you leave your your fingerprint and, and a, a bit of yourself at each club yep. each time. Uh, you know, hindsight would have been great if North Sydney were around. I wanted to be a one club, one player. They gave me the opportunity as a kid. Uh, Wayne Lamp and Dave Warwick picked me up in a schoolboy game. Uh, you know, I would have bled for that club if it was still around. Tried through the merger in Northern mm-hmm. Eagles, but unfortunately it didn't didn't uh, it didn't uh, you know flourish to the ability it could have
0: you debuted for the north sydney bears as an 18 year old an 18 year old front rower tell us about your first game daunting uh, um, or didn't you
1: give a fuck we played west at parramatta um, that was my official nrl debut uh I come off the bench, it was unlimited interchange, it was just rip and tear and go as hard as you could. So And then off again. Off again. Yeah. And I was seventeen actually, so
0: Were you really? Yeah. It's unusual, isn't it, when you look at these kids in this era, it doesn't happen a lot, especially in that position.
1: Oh well we've got, you know we've got now uh things in place to protect our to protect our kids, you know, obviously with concussion and yep and body shapes and professionalism that these kids getting exposed to, we have to have that in place. Uh, Back in, like, 99 and 96 when I started North Sydney and Harold Matts, you know, it was more about coming through and playing. If you're good enough, you played. Where now we need to have these measures in place to protect our our younger generation.
0: Are you glad you were part of your generation?
1: Oh, look, it suited me, yeah. Yeah. Um, It suited me. I wish I was, you know, 10 years earlier. But the game probably started changing in 2008 and... In that 2008 block, it probably filtered my style of rugby league out. Um, had to reinvent myself a few times through my career, yep. through rule changes, etc. Uh, but then the game sort of looked like it swung back about 2012 and, and started to flourish. Last year's football was really good to watch. You know, I think that would have suited my soul as well.
0: 201 games in an 11 year career, but at the start. Your teammates at the Bears, guys like Gary Larson, Dave Fairley, Billy Moore, Paul Stringer, Adam Muir. Was there one guy that took you under their wing, helped you, coached you about about football and about being a, Look, a good I had, bloke?
1: I was, you know, Dad's one of the youngest of 13, so I had a lot of family. Mm. I had a lot of good influences there of training and I had a lot of boxing background. So you know, it was a good, good way to learn how to, you know, work hard, train, achieve. Um, I had you know guys at, at the club that helped me a lot, like Wayne Lampcombe, yeah. every opportunity, and, and, and helped them develop me and, and and brought me through. But with the players, Josh Stewart was probably one who helped me the most. Josh always took me under his wing. I remember we had an elite players program that Norths put together and we went out in an army camp at Singleton and they dropped us off 18 k's out of town. And... I was a young, big, raw kid, and they said, off you go. And uh, Josh was driving the bus. They give us backpacks and let us go 30 seconds apart. There was wheelbarrows dropped off. There was water, tyres. I picked up everything, took it, got back to camp and got sent back, to pick up the rest of the team. It was a team-building exercise. So Josh always took me under his wing and, and you know, said to me and looked after me, you know, in, which I really appreciate.
0: Very similar to Josh Stewart you see the similarities, not just as a footballer as a bloke?
1: Uh, Look, Josh was just always good to me. Uh, I had a kid at 16, so uh, the older guys always sort of seen that I had some drive there and I I had a purpose and Mm. and they tried to help me as much as I could. Adam Muir, because we lived on the Central Coast, I'd travel with Adam Muir, Jamie Goddard and Paul Stringer, so we had a pretty good connection there with them guys as well.
0: It was the final year of the bears' existence. you said you would have loved to have been a one club man. How much did it hurt a club folding like that and and the way it did or as a player and a young bloke, do you realize it's just business?
1: Uh, I didn't at that stage mm. obviously, as you get older, I realize it's a business ah yep. uh, you know it was very very hard to swallow as a kid um They'd relocate to the central coast. We had a great facility, new stadium was set up ready to go. Uh, as you can see, there's been a lot of good Central Coast products that have oh, come yeah. out. And, uh, you know, un- just unfortunately there's no corporate market in the Central Coast for North Sydney.
0: How difficult was the Northern Eagles experience or experiment? Great that they were partially based on the Central Coast, but it was an uneasy marriage between two clubs and a fan base.
1: Yeah, look, we, we were selling out crowds at Gosford and Brookie. Mm. I thought we went really well. Obviously, there were some board issues up top, but as a player, you don't know what's going on up yep. top. You don't know what uh, you know, what agendas different board members or et cetera yeah. have. You just keep your head down, train hard, play hard. We had a good leader in Peter Sharp. I uh, thought, thought Sharp, he was really good and and uh, you know, really sort of mellowed me a lot. I was always 100 miles per hour. He'd he done a lot of work with me about easing into games and settling down and and picking and choosing your moments when you could, when you could turn in tempo and tempo and and change it, change the flow of a, of a game.
0: You mentioned your Amelia Miles. Now you mentioned the uh, the family link with with boxing. Tell us a little bit about your your early memories of boxing and and what you did as a kid.
1: Uh, yeah, just grew up like I said. Had a lot of family members. We all always stuck together. Always hanging out with all the guys and that. Um, uh Yeah, lots of boxing training, Uh, always went and watched my cousins fight, et cetera, and uh, I was probably a different body shape. I was a throwback from my mum's mum's side, so I think the uh, old feather and lightweight didn't suit as much, but uh, (laughs) it it really taught me some good mental toughness and, and resilience. It was
0: something, and I'm older than you, but boxing was something that almost every boy did. At some stage at the PCYC back in the day, it's a shame that doesn't exist because it's a wonderful grounding for a young man—not in boxing, but just in becoming a better young man.
1: Yeah, and heavyweight was unbelievable. Everyone would go watch Hollyfield Tyson. Yeah, boxing was it was a massive thing. So, uh, yeah, we had at Lake Haven Rec Centre, we had a boxing gym there, so everyone was there. Yep, Where, you're right. Everyone sort of filled it back a little bit, and um, it did. It made you. It grounded you, kept you more humble.
0: Why Canterbury in O two?
1: Uh, why Canterbury? Business decision? Uh Northern Eagles went insolvent at that stage and and uh obviously i become a free agent. Um, and uh I nearly went to the Roosters in two thousand, and I put a block uh, on me going there when, when they merged. Yep. Uh Went to Canberra. I didn't know I'd signed at Canberra until I walked out in my car. So not many people know this. I sat down with Barry Nelson, and Bobby Hagan, and had me meeting. And I'd been to Melbourne. I'd been to Cowboys. I'd been to a few other clubs. I'd met with Roosters again. And uh, I'd walked outside. And um, when we're leaving, Bobby Hagan shook me hand and thought nothing of it. A country boy used to shaking hands, etc. Yeah. And I walked out. And manager Wayne Beavers goes, "Mate, congratulations! You just signed a." Three year deal at uh, the Bulldog. I said to him, What do you mean? He said, You shook his hand, mate, and that's how it works at the dogs. When you shake someone's hand, you've agreed to a contract. Mate, you can't renege on a contract. So I couldn't tell the wife for two weeks. Wow. I didn't know what to do. And then it started coming out in the paper. So I had to tell her. But um, yeah, it was a bit surprising. A bit, yeah, yeah. I was young. I was like yeah. 19. Didn't know no better, but uh, it was the best, best thing that happened.
0: Any elite athlete will tell you it takes more than just being physically fit to be at your best. And our friends at Galaxy Finance can have you at the top of your financial game. From home loans to investments and self managed super funds, they provide complete solutions. Call Galaxy Finance on 1300 917740 and mention you heard it on Andy Raymond Unfiltered to get an obligation free chat to see how Galaxy Finance can assist you. Canterbury 02, an amazing group of players, an amazing team, but a salary cap breach that saw the club deducted. 37 competition points. Basically, they were disqualified for the year. How tough a year was 2002?
1: Uh, look, it was the toughest off-season I've ever done. Mm. I was driving from the Central Coast to, to Belmore and I'd pull up on a Saturday morning and, and just sit in the car and fall asleep. So it was a long week, Uh long, long pre-season. We didn't touch footballs until after Christmas. It was just conditioning, 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 and uh Triathlons, run, ride, runs, swimming, etc. So um, it was really, really tough off season. And then when the season started, it was unbelievable. We had one game when we were drawing Penrith, actually, and uh, we scored in the last minute. Breathe and Astor did to win that and continue that, that role on. But um, look, the salary cap issues, I didn't know as a player. I had no idea. Mm. As I say to everyone, I sign a contract that's private. That's my personal life. I don't go around axing and 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 seeing what other players are on. Yep. Obviously, there was issues with the board and how they manage their money and or how they manipulated their cap. But, mm. you know, it weren't it weren't the players' fault. Or it falls back on know. the
0: players, though, doesn't it? You guys become wrongly the face of what is termed a salary cap scandal. Yet. You're on the front page of the newspaper. You're the lead story on the television news, yet the guys with the calculators sitting behind the desk that manipulated and did all the work, they largely go unrecognised. It's it's actually quite unfair how the focus ends up on the players and those that had a role in it are unaffected.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had to go into lockdown, yeah. uh, train. I remember we we're playing a charity golf, day and it broke that morning, and we we're there about, oh. and we we're about to tee off, shotgun start, and uh, folks, he dragged us in and told us on the golf course, and we just everyone was speechless. We had this amazing year, won 17 straight, oh. and then we went down to Canberra and got beat that week. Um, but yeah, it was very very uh, hectic sort of time mm. in your career. Uh, so in my first four years, I. Two clubs that went bankrupt The a club that got done for salary cap. So it was a great start to me in a rock career. Geez, you must have been on some money, Ogre. <laughs> Not me, mate. I think it was uh, all back-ended players.
0: Speaking of Oger, we can't, I don't think, go any further in the interview. Where did the nickname come from? Who started it and why?
1: Uh, I can't remember precisely who it was, but uh, we're at Gosford, we're at Norse, and we're training out at the gym there. and. Uh, I was sweating. I'm known as a. I sweat a lot. Perspire yeah. a lot. So uh, back then you didn't have towels at the gym or whatever. And I remember it was either Jamie got out Adam Muir, so you're like a big sweaty ogre, and it just stuck. <laughs> so that, that's how it come about. Um, and then it stuck, but uh, I don't mind. Yeah, it's grown on me.
0: Rubbing Denker rub on your bald head prior to a game. Fact or fiction? And 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 if it's true, where did it start? And what's the story? <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's fact. Um, I used to rub Vicks on my head. i seen me pop doing it when I was a kid, and the boxers used to rub Vaseline over their eyes, etc yep. and used to try and get ready, you know, r- really fired up for a game. So I used to start the game slow and that in Harold Matts. like 10, 12 minutes before I okay, I sort of got going. And I'd try and rub Vicks over me, had to get going. And one day there was no Vicks in the shed, so I went, what the hell am I going to use? Yep. What have I got in? I found a bit of Metzol and... Some deep heat there, and I just rubbed it around. I don't rub it on the top of my skull, I just rub it all on my jawline, and uh, sort of gets you going. It's, it's like a trigger, you, you become very, very uh, reliant on, on uh, routine and it mm. become a trigger. That was bang! I'm about to head out the tunnel, I'm ready to go. It's game time, yep. yeah.
0: What was the best or funniest reaction to a player watching you do this?
1: Mate, well, I was that focused, I didn't take any notice, no. but uh. I remember at Northern Eagles, Beavers tried it once, thought so it was funny. I remember uh, you know, Ben Walker, there was a few players that started trying to do it and, and had a look at it. I think I read uh, last year Zane Tinovano was doing it at, mm. uh, at Panthers and I played with Zane at Wong. So you know, I tried to just keep it to myself. Mm. But just, it was after warm-up, just when I was about to go out in the field, go in front of the mirror, rub it all along the side of my face, on my jawline, and, and uh, off I'd go
0: is a seventeen eighteen nineteen year old front rower with vix on their jaw and a boxing background a target for older players older front rowers
1: well I don't know i think i think I was more out there trying to take it to everyone yeah so, um you know, my role was to you know, set a platform and and bust open their middle mm. and, and get my boys to follow me so for me i i didn't want to sit back and wait in the game I wanted to to start the game and take the game to the opposition and so they could sit with you. In scrums, players would try and talk to you, I'd just stare at them. Mm. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to my own teammates, but not you. Uh, I I brought in rules that the dogs were not talk to uh, opponents in the tunnel. Why why are we going to sit there and talk to the opponent? You're about to go out to battle with them ignore them. I wouldn't talk to players a week coming in. I just would not talk to any of my mates. They'd be ringing me and me what I was like and I wouldn't talk to them because... I was had a job to do. The yeah. job was to get out there and lead. Did you the week prior
0: to a game circle names in the big league program?
1: No. That- but I used to just look and I'd see who was who was going well, or I'd see someone doing something on the field and yeah. go, "If that happens to me, I'll sort him straight out." Or you know, this is his weakness. I'm going to go straight at him. Or this guy's yeah. getting a bit ahead of himself, so. I'd always look, and around Origin time, you always everyone. That's what everyone wants to do: play Origin. Yeah. You'd look at your uh, opponents, or look who they're talking up, and go, "Well, see if they can can, can uh, handle it and match it with us."
0: To be the best footballer you could be, did you have to? I guess make it make it personal without making it nasty.
1: Yeah. Look, I, I made it personal, and, and I had to. And a few players I abused on the field, and 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 went after, and mm. I'd watch them shoot themselves, and. Go to water and then be ringing you after. What was wrong with that? What's wrong with it? I said, mate, mm. leave it on the field. Yeah, but that that like I said, that was my job. I was out there to to lead and be the best player. I wanted to be the best front row in the game and did everything I could to do that.
0: I heard many times over the years, and keep in mind, I've known you since prior to your debut. That you hated the media. You were hard to deal with. You were moody. You'd been intimidating. I never experienced any of that. I always just thought you were the crazy ball bloke who did whatever he needed to do on the field to be the best version of himself. But off the field, an absolute gentleman that was polite, respectful, engaging, and actually a pleasure to be around.
1: Yeah, that's how I see myself. I hope that's how I am. Um, Look, I didn't think I was hard to deal with the media. If you burnt me in the media, yeah. Obviously, I don't want to talk to you and deal with you. But I always tried to keep a a good relationship and and an Mm. open line and and always try to be as honest as I can and, and, you know, to my recollection of what what happened Mm. or what the issues or or questions were. But um, I didn't think I had an issue with media. Um, Always reserved, you know, didn't like the limelight. I just wanted to do my job and get on with it. But uh, that might be that uh, arrogant sort of side, if you could probably put it that way, where Mm. you sort of wanted to, stay reserved and just keep grounded. I didn't like the media building players up or my teammates up and then watch me players get a big head and then, yep. you, know, you know, their form would drop. So, you know, I'd, I'd try and keep grounded because I didn't want to do that.
0: We've both seen guys, and many of them over the years, that haven't been able to remain grounded. And when you are talked up and you are playing good football, you do change. It's, it's fact, it's proof, we've seen it over the years. I'm not going to mention names, but a lot of players, in fact, I'll go as far as saying a high percentage of players, when they start believing the bullshit, they change as a bloke. Someone brings them back down to earth, and they return to the guy that we knew.
1: And That's when you're talking about personal. If someone was in my position, and they were getting attention or getting a bit of bullshit about themselves, then I'd go and, uh, that's what I, I thrived yep. off. And I used to like it, and you know, talk down or saying his form's down, etc. At the start of the year, I'd be that nervous before games. I wouldn't talk to anyone. I was that superstitious. I ate the same food, washed, wore the same clothes, same speedos, same socks, wow. boots every day. Everything was like clockwork. And then about six rounds in, you're playing well. Your confidence is up. Yeah. You're on fire. And next minute, you're starting a bit cheeky then the next minute you get pulled back in the line, then off you go again. Yep. But, uh, yeah, look, and then I'd try and, as I got older, I'd, I could read the room. If we were really quiet and worried, I'd try and be loud to the boys and talk to them and make it a bit fun. Mm. But what I am at training and who I am around the players, a complete different person who I am at home. At home, I just you know, get on with my stuff. Off I go at training, I try and be that ball of energy, try and, yep. try and be the best team person I can for the team.
0: We hope you're enjoying Mark O'Meally Behind the Mask in Episode 2, The Famous Fights, Crocker, Webb, Gibbs and more and the realisation that the human body can only take so much.